You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Chris Motes. And we're broadcasting today from uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us this morning. We've had a great show already. And hard to believe, Chris, we're heading into our second hour. We made it. <laughs> we are halfway through, folks, and uh, and really excited for, for the guests that we have ahead. Um, this is uh, the all-lawyer show today. I'm so sorry. Um, kind <laughs> of kidding. No, there's some great, great folks. Uh, oh. Great, great time visiting with John, Representative John Hansen, an attorney. And next, uh, in the next hour, we've got... Um, essentially my counterparts in mm-hmm. our neighboring states. So I'm the director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. We're going to have on Jason Atkins, uh, the director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Uh, listeners probably be familiar with Jason and, and our counterpart to the north and west, respectively, Christopher Dodson, um, who is the director of the North Dakota Catholic Conference. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, kind of what's coming up in, in their two states uh, as well. So... Um, J- Jason, are you with us this morning? Good morning. Great to be with you. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, so so good to have you on uh, on the program, um, Jason. And for for listeners that that maybe have never heard heard you before, I can't imagine that would be anybody uh, who's <laughs> listening to Real Presence. Right. But but maybe just begin by telling us a little bit about yourself. Most importantly, I'm a husband and father of four kids, ages 10 through 16, and I've been in this work at the Minnesota Catholic Conference. We're the public policy voice of the Catholic Church in Minnesota, as you said, Chris, and it's been 10 years now. It's been a real blessing. We see our work as missionary and evangelical. We are speaking truths that uphold human dignity and the common good, and at the same time hoping to point to the author of those truths which is our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a blessing to be in this work. I'm an attorney by training. Don't hold it against me. I know you are as well, but uh, attorneys tend to make pretty decent lobbyists. Uh, we're all in sales at the end of the day, and attorneys have to be advocates for their clients, and we have the blessing of being advocates for the uh, policy positions of our bishops uh, and the broader Catholic community, uh, proposing, never imposing. Amen. You put that so, so well. I'm just like filled with inspiration hearing you say that. So it's, uh, and, and you maybe didn't catch this, but we have an all attorney lineup today. <laughs> so, um, but, but as you say, it is kind of a sales job, just wanting to, um, but maybe in more Catholic terms, a missionary job, which you also said. Yep. So, mm. you know, t- 10 years on the job, Jason, um, you know, I started my work three years ago and it's been just a fun, fun. I, I love my work. But as I was kind of thinking about maybe applying for this this work with the South Dakota Catholic Conference, I I almost feel a little bit like you're my big brother because I I have lived in Minnesota. I have a lot of family in Minnesota. And so to be able to have watched and been aware of the work that you've done over the last 10 years is just, it's to to be really candid, you're a role model for me in so many ways. Mm. And, you know, we're here in a new year, which for many people is kind of a time to reflect on the past and reflect on the year ahead. But with 10 years behind you now, do you, have you done any reflecting um, on the last 10 years? Is there anything that you could say is maybe you know, a, a big point of pride or something you're most proud of in the last 10 years? Hmm. Well, first of all, your words are very humbling and uh, appreciated. It's the, the 10 years have seemed like dog years sometimes in terms of how I've <laughs> aged. Um, 
uh, where it's every day is interesting. There's always a fire or two to be put out, and uh, it's uh, challenging, but also, as you said, very rewarding. And and I should be sending the kudos your way as well. You're one of the up and coming uh, stars and champions in this mm-hmm. work. So uh, blessings to you. Um, in, in terms of ten years, though, yeah, it's it's gone by uh, fairly quickly, and we have to take stock of what we're doing. We always have to be working to do things better and be in that constant mode of reform. Uh, uh, Semper Ecclesia Reformanda, the church is in always need of reform, and that uh, means our work as well in the public square. How can we engage more people? How can we reach people in a better way? How can we be better disciples? Uh, And the political landscape has changed so much in 10 years. How do you keep up with that in a principled way, not simply reacting, but being proactive and trying to set the agenda to be radical means to get at the root, um, and sometimes mm. that means transcending the partisan divide and escaping the either-or false way in which things are framed up. And if you look mm. back, if you ask me to look back on the work that we've done, I, I feel like that's been a point of pride for us: is to reframe politics as a mode of discipleship, not something that insiders do or a hobby, treating it like a hobby. Uh, not engaging in the the simple partisan rancor of Team Red or Team Blue and falling into that trap, but but thinking about issues and public policy as a way of, you know, loving our neighbor, uh, working for their good, just as we have school ministries and hospital ministries and and poverty ministries. Uh, Our work in the public arena is part of our love of our neighbor and part of our discipleship. So helping people think about this work in those frame is really, really important. I mean, as we see now where we have this intractable division, it seems, in our country that's, re- and, uh, that's fl- you know, flowing into violence in many instances. How important is the voice of the Church right now to be a peacemaker and a bridge builder, to transcend the false either-or framework and bring the light of the Gospel into the public arena? It's really needed at this point, and I'm proud of the work we've done uh, here, I think it's uh, met. I have to be candid with uh, sometimes mixed message or uh, mixed success, in the sense that people, you know, want they fall into that partisan trap, and sometimes they're eager to for uh, particular reasons. But um, really proud of that work. It's the right thing to do, and and we'll keep at it. Well, I'm really struck by this. This is a big, big goal. I mean, to reframe the way in which we think about politics. I'm just so struck, Jason, by by what you say that politics um, is or should be a motive of discipleship. Because um, I think so many times people, it's just easy to like see the angry heads on TV and just think that's politics and be disgusted by it or just turn it off and be like, nope, that's not that's not for me. Um, so it sounds really, really inviting. This sort of reframing. Uh, I love it. Well, we shouldn't look at politics in the narrow sense either, uh, Chris, in, in the sense of the type of work that you and I do on a daily day, day-to-day basis, lobbying and legislative uh, work, electioneering, etc. Politics is that conversation about how we order our lives together as a community. The Church calls us to faithful citizenship, um, and that means that engaging in the work of our communities, as uh, the prophet Jeremiah tells the Israelites uh, in Babylon, work for the good of the city, for in the good of the city you will find your own welfare. So that work of politics can take on a lot of different uh, frames or looks, and we, but we all have a responsibility. We, it's something we can't just delegate to someone else. We all have a responsibility to work for the good of the city, for it is in the good of the city that we will find our own welfare. We have to grow where we're planted, 
and um, we can lament what's going on in Washington, but we need to be working on what's going on in our own backyard. That's the work of politics. Well, and I love that Jeremiah uh, quote, too. And, and what to keep in mind, too, is the, the Jews are, they're in Babylon, in exile, when the Lord says that to them. Yep. So they've got some challenges, right? They're not, they're not home in the promised land. They're in exile. It's very challenging. Get, do you have any reflections, kind of as we enter this new year, on either challenges from the last 10 years or, or what you see as some of the biggest challenges uh, for the years ahead? Well, I think that um, that quote from Jeremiah is an important one, and uh, it came, to, you know, really made me reflect on it uh, when I read a book by Richard John Newhouse called American Babylon. <laughs> and you rightly pointed out this feeling of this is no longer our country, we're kind of in exile, uh, we're strangers in a strange land, which is another great book uh, by another important figure of our uh, church, Archbishop Charles Chaput. Um, what, what does it mean to be a Christian in these times? And I think... Uh, the Old Testament is part of that uh, that um, instruction manual for how to live uh, in this world, to be in and not of. Uh, the, the Jews in Israel uh, are in Babylon, suffered many persecutions. Our friends uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they had their names changed, but there was a line that they would not cross. Um, you know, they wouldn't sprinkle the incense. They wouldn't eat the the, raw, the the foods that were unclean. So you have to. We have to be able to draw our lines about what we're not willing to do. But we still have to work for the good of the city. And what that looks like in each particular individual's life or context is going to be different. But um, some will be officials, like uh, Daniel and his friends. They'll be officials in Babylon. Others uh, will have different roles and responsibilities. They'll be in commerce or agriculture um, or education or one of the professions. But we still have to work for the good of the city, and that means um, identifying laws and policies that uphold the common good. And um, the, the struggle will be not falling into that partisan either-or trap, uh, not for being subject to ideologies um, and imaginative reconstructions of the world and demagogues who promote violence and conflict and division, but working patiently for the good of the city. We have to remember that there's a reason um, that uh, the Persians uh, sent the Israelites back to Israel. Perhaps it was because of their faithfulness, even in a time of exile, and I think that will be the challenge for Christians um, in the coming years, is to work for the good of the city, and perhaps, as the Lord promises to the hand of Jeremiah, he will restore us to our, um, to our land and, um, and to peace uh, and, to a, and to a righteous nation, if we are faithful to that charge. Wow, Chris, I can you, see why you look up to him. <laughs> yeah, oh, what an articulate stop, fellow. Stop now, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> Jason, you you wrote uh, recently, I think it was in an interview with one of your diocesan newspapers up there in Minnesota, you wrote that the main thing that we have to remember is that ultimately the victory has been won. Mm. It's our job simply to do the right thing consistent with our principles. Um, I was, in reading this, I was just really struck by like, yeah, Christ has won the victory. We just need to act rightly. We need to act well. And you, you kind of, you go to principles. I'm, I'm wondering if you could maybe say a little more about just the importance of, like, knowing our principles, acting consistently with our principles. And maybe we could even talk a little bit about the catechism. I understand that you have a personal history, like, closely tied to this amazing resource. Sure. I, I think it's important that we remember that our work always has to be consistent with the will of the Father. If we don't do that, then we'll fall into activism. 
and activism is is, is where we we um, we take up that ring of power ourselves. We ignore the fact that the ultimate justice will be meted out when he comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We have a responsibility to act in righteous ways consistent with our responsibility of discipleship, but we have to leave ultimate justice up to him. There are no ultimate victories and no ultimate defeats this side of the Jordan. So we have to do is act rightly and trust in him. Otherwise, we fall into this um, this uh, thing that we're tempted to, which is activism, to impose our own will on things and do things in a way that might lead to good earthly results, at least in the short term, but endanger souls, perhaps, in the long term. When we follow particular leaders um, uh, who may be demagogues, for example, because we're so uh, uh, bound up in a particular cause or a particular issue, and we let that be the overriding concern, and not the and it allows it to create a stumbling stumbling block for people. So we we have to be hopeful, not always optimistic, and those are different things. The difference mm-hmm. between hope and optimism. Uh, we have to be hopeful to not be as a sin against the Holy Ghost, but our hope is in that ultimate judgment um, on the last day. Um, even if we're not altogether optimistic about the state of the political arena, but we always have to act in accordance with principles. Too many Catholics read the work of the Church as, does this help Team Red or does this help Team Mm, Blue? Our responsibility is to speak truth, not worry about whether when we do so it helps Team Red or Team Blue. It's to do the right thing and let the Lord work things out on its own. We can't be overly Machiavellian when we go about this work. Well, Jason, we have to take a quick break. Um, When we come back, we're going to have more with Jason Adkins from the Catholic Conference of Minnesota. And um, hopefully dive into the catechism question, Chris, that you kind of posed at the end of um, your last question. So, folks, stay with us. We'll be right back with more with Jason Adkins right here on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. And uh, I remember when uh, they came around looking for donations at the churches when they were trying to get started. And it really hit me when, I don't even remember who it was, came around, but it was just like, I think that I need this. Because I wanted to be be fed. Uh, I wasn't taking time to read my Bible or any of that, but I just knew it was like, well, if I could listen to stuff on the radio like he talked about. And so it, it was everything that it said and more, you yeah. know, in all reality. So. It doesn't take a lot of effort to turn it on. It does not take a lot of effort. You know, sometimes... Really, it, I'm going to back up on that and say it, it, it almost does, because if you want to be drawn in and contemplate what is all being said on the radio, there's a lot of stuff that gets kind of deep. It's like, well, it makes you contemplate. It's like, uh, okay, am I, am I ready to, to take this food in and digest it and all that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual food? So, yeah, it's it's been, it's been really good for me from, from my faith walk and, Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in South Fargo, near Saints Anne and Joachim Church. 
Lumen Vision is a full-service eye care facility that provides eye exams for both children and adults. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Eco Eyewear, an environmentally friendly frame company that plants a tree for each frame sold. For more information about our mission and scheduling your appointment online, you can go to lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Chris Motes. And we're broadcasting today from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we are a lawyer-filled morning. So we've got a lot of deep thoughts going on, a lot of great conversations going on. Talking with Jason Atkins at the moment from uh, the Catholic Conference in Minnesota. So before we uh, left, Chris, can you repose the question you'd asked Jason about the catechism? Yeah, Jason had this really um, just kind of money quote that was in one of the diocesan newspapers in in Minnesota, and it, it said, "It's our job, you know, the victory has already been won. It's our job simply to do the right thing, consistent with our principles, and we've got this." We've got this great resource that's actually not been around uh, that long, you know, 25 years or so, this catechism that's got all the principles in it. And I, I know Jason has a little bit of a personal history with the catechism. I was hoping, Jason, you might be able to just share a word on, on what a resource this book can be for Catholics. Well, I grew up in the uh, in an era where there was, a, to put it charitably, a catechetical deficit where... Um, we didn't want to shroud people with laws and doctrines and teaching because that would be a barrier to a, quote, authentic faith experience. And as well-intentioned as that, some of that may have been, um, it left a hole in a lot of people's lives, and um, uh, I wanted to do something about that. I didn't know what the catechism was till I got to college. Um, it had come out. I went through confirmation not knowing what it was. And when I realized that there was a resource that had the answers to the, some of the questions that I'd been asking or that a lot of people were asking, whether they're theological, uh, existential, whatever, um, the catechism is a beautiful uh, resource to address those things. Um, and, and my view is strongly that the doctrines are not barriers to authentic experience. They're the things that help guide um, a really fulfilling faith experience. Um, so I wanted to make sure that more people had access to it. So some of our my, my now wife and some friends, we raised money and started, started a ministry called the Corpus Christi Catechism Fund, where um, young adult leaders would distribute these catechisms to confirmandis at, right after they were anointed with oil as kind of a symbol of their adulthood in the faith. So in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis during Archbishop Flynn's um, uh, time as the Archbishop here, we distributed over 81,000 catechisms to people who were confirmed here, and uh, certainly it's something uh, that wow. I hope has been a, a great resource for people. Heck, if, if people didn't even crack the book, the fact that they knew it was a resource or maybe did at some point um, is a sign of hope. And we have a very strong and faith-filled archdiocese here, despite many challenges. There's so many wonderful things in ministries and people and we have great Catholic civil society here, and I hope in some small way that helped contribute to that. No, it's a it's a beautiful story because the catechism, people don't always realize this, especially younger Catholics, that it hasn't been around that long, this catechism we have. And it's, you know, it's it's just got like all these answers that, as you put it so well, they they just provide a guide to a, just a really rich and happy life mm-hmm. um, as a Catholic. 
which is maybe even more important today. You know, people are, to, to be honest, I think there, there are a lot of people out there, um, non-Catholics and Catholics too, that, that have this sort of feeling of disorientation in the world today. Like everything's shifting mm-hmm. and nothing is stable. And 2020 was certainly a, uh, a year that kind of felt a little upside down. And um, 2021 is off to its own start. Jason, do you have any counsel for people that that are maybe feeling a bit of this disorientation? I think as much as possible, and that's difficult sometimes during the pandemic, uh, to connect with real people. Um, Pope Francis talks about the, the importance of encounter, the culture of encounter, and that's why we work so hard to keep our churches open um, here in Minnesota, uh, because we need each other. We need people, and we need more than just Zoom screens and everything else. We need the encounter and the, the relationship with people. We need to pull ourselves out of the electronic world. And one of the there, there's a very important new book by this fellow, Carl Truman, uh, where he talks about psychological man and, and this this retreat into an online or virtual world. Uh, we're wrapped up inside our heads and our own imaginations, and that's when the devil can really take hold and do destructive things and divide us and divide our, divide us from each other, plants the seeds of ideology and psychological and moral confusion. And we need to encounter real people. We're incarnational people, and we need that as much as possible. But, you know, cultivate prayer life, be with your family, be with your friends, go out and meet people, do things as much as possible, perform the works of mercy. It's really a back-to-the-basics time. Um, and the Church has an important message um, for a back-to-the-basics time. You know, simplicity, prayer, relationship, um, mercy, and charity. I mean, this, these are the things that, that, like you said, are not impositions on our lives, but they're actually the paths to happiness. They're what everyone seeks. I mean, there's this amazing romanticization of the Amish and the Bruderhof and things like that, these quasi-monastic lifestyles lived out by lay people, but there's a longing for that sort of simplicity, mm-hmm. and at the same time, beauty. So cultivate beauty, relationship, friendship, simplicity, prayer, and um, we can pull ourselves out of this this virtual world where we get bound up in our own uh, psyches too much. That's great advice. Yeah, I, I, my heart is just sort of singing as I hear you speak <laughs> of, this, of these basics. Back to the basics. Yeah, you know, which is I, I think gonna, is going to be a bomb for so many souls. Mm-hmm. And Jason, we've got um, we've got a little bit we've got a little bit left uh, time left together, and and we we would be remiss if we didn't touch on um, what you expect might be coming up, um, or what you want people to know about for the 2021 legislative session in Minnesota. Sure, I, I wanted to just build off that last point, though, just to say it's the year of Saint Joseph. And if we think about the character of St. Joseph and what he might mean in our lives, whether we're men or women, um, I'm just doing some meditations right now um, through a resource called In Conversation with God about St. Joseph. His obedience, his silence, his fortitude, um, his joy. And and if we think about that in this year of St. Joseph and look to St. Joseph as a model, that he might be a good recourse for folks. So sorry, I don't want to take up more time, but I just wanted to get that point in there. I think it's an important one. So... But in terms of what we're doing here in Minnesota, our session just got underway a couple days ago. The big issues are, of course, uh, COVID. How do we continue to meet the challenges of COVID? Um, The extent of the governor's ongoing emergency powers, there's great tension uh, because of that, and in part because we're the only state with a divided legislature. We have a Republican-controlled Senate and a Democrat-controlled House. There's different perspectives about how to meet the challenges of the pandemic, whether the governor should continue to have... Uh, these emergency powers, or at least all of them, 
which uh, it makes him the primary decision maker about important issues in people's lives whether businesses can be open, what's the limit on size of gatherings in churches, uh, should we be opening schools, um, how many people can gather in a home. I mean, whoever thought that, that the state would exercise jurisdiction over uh, how many people you can have gathered in your home, including family members, is that a good thing for the state to be doing? So there's reasonable debate about the exercise of those powers and who should be at the table when those decisions are being made. So that's going to be a, a prime issue at the front burner at the beginning of this session. And then Related to that, what sort of relief do we provide for people who are struggling during the pandemic? Um, if people are facing an eviction crisis, uh, inability to pay rent, massive loss of jobs due to business closures, how do we mitigate some of those challenges? And we, there has been some help from the federal government, um, but also there's been certain relief packages passed here by the state. So that will be an ongoing discussion along with our state budget. We have to pass a state budget um, every couple years here. And the odd-year odd sessions are de- dedicated to state budgets, and w- the economic outlook is not as bad as we thought it would be from a budget standpoint in terms of the revenues coming in, so which will mean fewer cuts uh, to important services. But that will be the focus of the conversation, and we're, and we're looking at providing both uh, from our advocacy standpoint as the Minnesota Catholic Conference, putting a circle of protection around programs that help the poor and the vulnerable, making sure that people have access to education, uh, particularly our students, um, getting more school choice as much as possible. That always remains a key issue. And then as the, as legislators look at that budget and how to fill those gaps, uh, making sure we don't do things like legalizing uh, recreational marijuana or creating a commercial marijuana business to fill budget holes, which we think will cause mm-hmm. problems down the road, which will create more budget problems and more mm-hmm. um, uh, challenges for people in, in terms of addiction and, and other things like that. So that these are the key things that are going to be on top of our radar this year as the session convenes. Wow. Lots going on in Minnesota, too. Yeah, a lot going on. And, and with the, the, the budget, too, I know I've heard you say before, Jason, that, that a budget really, sometimes we don't think about this, but a budget is a moral document um, in, a, in a certain sense. So, um, you know, with the, the challenges, is, the challenges of, of divided government will certainly be praying for your, your work and the work of your legislature as they're kind of sorting through what is ultimately a really um, decisions with really important moral components. That's absolutely correct. Uh, the budget, just like we are family budgets, where we have to prioritize our needs first, protect our most vulnerable members in our families, focus it on kids and the elderly, uh, making sure we have food on the table, shelter over our heads. So the same principles, the same analogy can be drawn to a state budget. And uh, the budget, like you said, is a moral document. We have in our church teaching an option, a preferential option for the poor and the vulnerable. Uh, they have a specific claim on our budgetary resources precisely because it's an issue of justice and an issue of need. So we have to make sure that we don't balance the budget on the backs of the poor, make life more difficult for them. So you're absolutely right. Wow. Well, thank you to uh, Jason Atkins for joining us this morning. We um, are fortunately are out of time already. What a blessing to be with you both, and uh, commend Chris on his very fine work uh, in South Dakota. He's really emerged as one of the outstanding uh, uh, Catholic Conference directors around our nation. We would agree. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us today. And can you give your website out real quick before we let you go? Sure, mncatholic.org. Again, that's mncatholic.org.
All right. Thank you so much, folks. We are not done yet, so we have one more guest coming up after this. So stay tuned right where you are. More Real Presence Live right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 